Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance, and for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon. Welcome to post-election Wednesday. Uh, I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and encouragement, illumination. Yes, we're here to promote us knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and to empower you, our listeners to knowing and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. The best way to do so is to visit all our social media or Facebook. We are on Zero Network on Facebook. Go there, like that page, follow that page, listen to archive shows on that page. You can do that. On Twitter, the show handle is at Zero Radio, at Z-E-R-A Radio on Twitter, and my personal handle at LorenzoTNeal.com. Hit me up on my email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. And my website, LorenzoTNeal.com. If you have not done so, we invite you to support this show by becoming a patron. Go to Patreon.com slash LorenzoTNeal. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can help this channel, this broadcast, this show, continue to do what it has been doing over the last 10 years. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. I hope all is well with everyone, and I hope we are past this election anxiety. No, I'm wrong. We're just getting started. It is uh, the, the day after, the massacre afterwards. Well, not sure if it's a massacre either. As it goes right now, uh, Joe Biden is leading uh, President Trump with 248 uh, electoral college votes to Donald Trump's 214. As of right now, this is the Associated Press that I'm getting this information from. Uh, How accurate that is, I don't know, just going by what they're showing. And, of course, uh, he's also leading in the popular vote with 70, roughly 70 million, uh, 50%, let me put it that way, 50% to 50 to 48% Trump. 
Now, this this has been the strangest political cycle um, that I have been in in my adult life that I've been able to participate in uh, with uh, all kinds of twists and turns. You know, everybody was expecting the October surprise. That's what what they call the October surprise. And boy, did we get a lot of October surprises. And we are still getting uh, <laughs> surprises. We're getting November surprises. And everybody is saying that if Trump, uh, President Trump loses, that he will not concede. And um, I don't expect him to concede right off. I think he'll put forth a legal battle. I think both campaigns may put forth a legal battle. I've read some... Um, news reports where they're saying that Trump is already uh, trying to stop some vote counting in some places. I don't know how true that he is. Um, but anyway, we, we're, we're about to see change, and uh, it's going to be good or bad. That has yet to be determined. When it comes to the Senate, Right now, is looking as if the Republicans will retain control of the Senate um, with a 48-seat majority. That may be a subject to change also. <laughs> Excuse me. And um, with the House, the Democrats will maintain control of the lower chamber, which is the House of Representatives. And this is what I really appreciate. I like this balance. I really do. I, I, I would, if if I had my way, I I would prefer the House. Uh, you know, the House keep its majority, the Senate keep its majority also, because then, uh, or better yet, better yet, if there was not so much as a a straight breakdown across parties, but I like the fact that. You know, the dissonance helps create uh, discussion and dialogue. And when you have one chamber dominant uh, or one party chamber dominant in one chamber of Congress, it it it, it um, dissipates that dissonance and that dialogue. So I don't know what it's going to look like if we have a, a Biden Kamala Harris presidency with a Senate, a Republican Senate majority. They may try to do what they did with, uh, well, once they got elected in in the in 2010 when Republican wave first came after during a lot, uh, President Obama's first term, and you had the Tea Party movement that led to the Republican sweep and all just about dominance for for um, uh, the last seven plus years. It, it, it seems like that would have been the case, but it's going to be interesting. Um, uh, I'm going to focus on the, I, this black man voting for Trump uh, phenomena that was heavily, heavily discussed over the last several weeks, beginning with Ice Cube and uh, followed up by several other prominent <laughs> artists. And I'm going to talk about that. I but first, before I get into to all of that, I I want to talk about some of the things that happened across the country, particularly in Oregon, in Texas, in Louisiana, and here in Mississippi, that um, 
didn't really make national headlines, but are certainly going to be important to those citizens of those states. In Oregon, they overwhelmingly voted on yesterday on a referendum, I guess it was, to decriminalize uh, hardcore drugs, heroin, cocaine, methamphetamines. You heard me right. They voted to decriminalize heroin, cocaine, and methamphetamine. And I, I think they're calling it the Recovery Act or something to that nature. And I like the premise behind it. I really do. I like the idea that uh, persons who, you know, just as we did with those persons struggling with opioid addiction, they're suggesting that persons who are struggling with this, these addictions, heroin, cocaine, notice they didn't say crack, <laughs> but heroin, uh, cocaine, and methamphetamine, which again is uh, are, are have become the biggest drugs used used in in today's society and across the board across uh, the wealth gap all you know these I, I know some very wealthy people who are meth heads. I know of some wealthy people who uh, are heroin addicts. And I know some uh, not-so-wealthy persons who are meth heads. Matter of fact, you know, probably the common drug of choice now because of the ease of uh, making it. But uh, cocaine, and there's always been this issue with cocaine, and especially with the sentencing laws regarding the cocaine and crack, uh, whereas if you got caught with cocaine, you had a, a lesser chance of a high sentence if you were black. I mean, if you were white versus if you were black and you caught with coke, uh, coke or crack, you know, and more specifically crack, and, you know, you had that high sentencing. And some will say that's in part to the Biden Act, uh, not Biden Act, but the the um, tough on crime uh, bills that were passed throughout the 90s to show both on the Democrat and Republican side that, that these politicians were tough on crime. Oregon, Oregonians have voted to decriminalize that, which in essence means that uh, up to so much, so many uh, grams, ounces, whatever. Basically, you will not. You it'll be like a misdemeanor. That in essence, uh, it will be like a misdemeanor. So you you can be arrested for it. You can be charged, but instead of going to uh, a criminal court, you'll be going to a drug court, and that drug court will determine uh, how you will be treated, the treatment you receive. And, and again, this is in hopes to curve the uh, the addictions and the uh, all the people who are impacted by this. Um, I'm all for, as I said before, I am all for um, criminal justice reform, and I think uh, drug enforcement is a big part of criminal justice reform, particularly when it comes to black communities, because. Most of the black men who are in prison uh, 
those who don't uh, are in prison for some drug-related crime nine times out of ten. Uh, and I'm, I'm speaking in generality. I don't have specific statistics in front of me. So I'm just saying a, a large majority of black men who are in prison are incarcerated because of drug-related crimes. And there are a lot of black men serving life in prison because, you know, you had the three-strike law. And most times it, it didn't matter if they got arrested and then um, if they were arrested, say they committed a crime as a kid. Then uh, got arrested two more times in their adulthood. Well, they could serve life, you know, three strikes. And a lot of states are repealing. None of those states that had that on the books are repealing that now. But it's, it's still a long way to go. It, has, it is a long, long way to go. Um, where else was I? I uh, see. Oh man, I just lost this story. I was I was looking at uh, Louisiana, thank you. <laughs> my home state of Louisiana uh, just passed a constitutional amendment to their state constitution that declares abortion is not a right. Now, and, and, and while I am very much pro-life, anti-abortion, and I, I, I don't hold that back at all. There's, there's no secret. Um, I, I am against legislating morality altogether. I don't think you can legislate morality. And I, this is the biggest problem that I have with the pro-life movement and their efforts to put, you know, with, you know, justices or court justices and uh, – all this push uh, for Roe versus Wade to repeal it. The the biggest problem with that, it, it's not a law issue. It's a heart issue for me. And I, I just think, you know, whether you, especially when you are cementing this in part of your state constitution, it's a law, Louisiana Amendment Number 1, Called the right to abortion and constitution amendment. No right to abortion and constitution amendment. It passed with 62% of the vote yesterday. Um, the amendment will add a statement to the state constitution that says nothing in this constitution shall be constituted to secure or protect a right to abortion or require the funding of abortion. Now, the reason why I um, I, I, I'm really proud that our state did this, but at the same time, kind of, kind of iffy on it. Well, my relative, <laughs> my schoolmate, uh, represented uh, State Senator Katrina Jackson. Love her, love her, love her. Uh, she's Democrat, but she's also very much pro-life. She championed this, and um, she celebrated this. And I can't blame her, you know, because in the African American community and Black community. Guess what is the number one killer, aside from health issues? Abortion. There are more abortions in urban communities, targeting black women in particular, um, than there are in other communities. And it's estimated uh, quite a few, and I'm not going to get into some people say it's hundred, uh, as, as many as 500 million or more uh, 
babies have been aborted, black babies have been aborted. Now, I, I, I completely agree with the, the intent of the, of the bill in the amendment. Abortion is not a right. <laughs> and for anyone to say that it is, uh, it's gravely mistaken. Abortion is a choice. You have a right to life. You don't have a right to take a life for convenience in particular. Now, when I'm, talk, when I'm talking about abortion, I'm speaking it within uh, the context of abortion on demand. Okay, and for for those persons who who see abortion as a as a means of birth control, which is strangely promoted by some uh, sects of the uh, left. A little more progressive, you know. They're, they're they're promoting this. In some cases, they're trying to get it to where, even up to the point of birth, that you can choose to take that life. And that's just, I mean, beyond me. But anyway, uh, people in my great state, my home state, agreed and made this change to the Constitution. What does it mean for abortions in that state? Well, it means one of two things. They can travel to Texas. They can travel to Arkansas. They can travel <laughs> to Mississippi. Uh, we still have a clinic here. Well, they may have to do- go a little further if they want to do it. But uh, I, I, I don't think many people will be doing this now that they understand that they, they don't have a right to it. The way it's been promoted the idea of pro-choice. And, and in reality, pro-choice really means pro-life too. In in reality, you know, both is a choice. You have a choice. That's why I support uh, pregnancy clinics um, that, that provide opportunities for uh, women to get sound counsel, not necessarily faith-based counseling, uh, but just counsel. And I know there are a lot of churches that sponsor uh, these clinics and where they where they can come in and get information on pregnancy and get care all of that with the hopes of providing options to abortion and I think that should be available in every state and I know uh in some cases there i think there are non faith based organizations that provide that but but generally uh we should promote that, especially in the black community. We need to promote it greatly. Here's another reason why I think we, should, as black folks, should be more pro-life. We are seeing a rising mortality rate in women, black women, uh, uh, giving birth. Uh, a lot of black women are dying, uh, giving birth, or shortly after giving birth. Uh, and I don't have the statistics on in front of me right now. But it is a um, it is a growing um, phenomenon. It, it and it's interesting how we are having such a high mortality rate, uh, birth mortality rate in this country. It's something you can attribute it to again the healthcare system, the disparity within that. It does exist, and you know that's why some people are so adamant about you know Republicans maintaining power. And this idea of they're, they're repealing uh, the Affordable Care Act, 
and all of this stuff. I mean, it's it's really really complicated. But it's it's, it's black folk. We got to look at it beyond the complication, and we got to be real. We have to be real about this. We are suffering the greatest in this country when it comes to this. And I think the voters in Louisiana thought thought uh, change needed to be done and thought reasonably regarding this. And that's why I'm glad they support it. Um, so kudos to those those persons in Louisiana who voted for that. And uh, one last thing that I, I wanted to uh, talk about, and that's here in the state of Mississippi. Yesterday, in the state of Mississippi, there were two big things that passed that voters voted on overwhelmingly. The first was a new state flag. If you don't recall, earlier this year, there was there was this very, very moving moment as the state legislature, both the House and the Senate, voted to remove the flag, to, to retire the state flag that had been waving over this state for decades that had the emblem of the Confederacy emblazoned it, embedded in it. And uh, one thing I can say that, that is a good thing that happened after the George Floyd incident and uh, uh, other incidents that happened this year um, was that see our legislators black and white Republican and Democrat say okay Mississippi is time for a change and they boldly courageously put it up to the people and that was the argument here the argument was that the legislature should not decide to do this the people should decide to do it and the legislature uh, came to a nice compromise we are going to do it and we're going to let you vote on the design. And I, I think that was a great compromise. Because what happened in uh, a 2001 represent, referendum here in Mississippi was that the same thing was put up. And there was low voter turnout. And, you know, black folk weren't as motivated. There, was, there wasn't really anything driving them to get out to even this issue. As, as, as much as it should have been impassioned upon them to do so. It just wasn't. And and the flag remained. But the impetus of a lot of the injustices that we've seen, whether justified or unjustified, against black men in particular, has driven the need for Mississippi to change. Now, on the flip side of that, we had the opportunity yesterday also to elect the first black senator since Reconstruction, and we did not do that. So... <laughs> We changed the flag. I, I guess they say, hey, we changed the flag. You ought to be good. We don't need a black man right now. We got a white woman. Uh, so so demographically, we still look better than than we did. <laughs> I'm making making light of this, but, you know, it's probably how some of them thought. I, I really don't know. But they, they uh, voters turned out, uh, over a million voters turned out. And a great deal of them voted in favor of the new flag design. 
which will now go back to the legislature when they meet back in, uh, come back in session in January, and they will make it official, and it will be flying, hopefully, over our state very, very soon. Um, now, here's the, here's the funny thing that happened last night. While we voted to uh, adopt a new state flag, and, and yes, the state flag does have In God We Trust, and I'm quite sure there are going to be challenges to that. Um, but that was one of the things that the legislators compromised on. They wanted to ensure that 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 um, that model stayed on the flag. It wasn't on the last day flag, but they wanted to make sure that it was on this flag. And yeah, so it would be on the flag. And of course, I know there will be challenge, legal challenges to that, and I think the the governor and the state is ready for it. So let the games begin. But uh, while they voted for the flag, they also voted on a, a initiative to allow medical marijuana in the state of Mississippi. Medical marijuana, and it passed overwhelmingly. Uh, here to where not not in the near not in the near two five future I don't even know if I said it right but uh, there will be dispensaries where persons with terminal diseases like myself I have a terminal illness I type one diabetic uh, will have access to uh, medical marijuana now I remember when we were trying to get certain other alternative health options available in Mississippi. And again, you know, uh, I understand that a lot of people just want to keep it as it was. And there are a lot of natural health professionals in the state. And, you know, uh, I, I, I think it's a great, great change. I'm going to, See how how it's going to affect us. Now, I, I wish that the, uh, the alternative, which was the legislature, legislature's um, bill or whatever whatever it was, to regulate it. And that that's right now. There's it's not regulated, as I understand. I could be mistaken, but um, to make tax money, you know. Sales tax. That that was it. That, that was like if we're going to have dispensaries, if people are going to be doing that, then the state needs to make some money from it. And I'm all for that. <laughs> I'm all for that. Let the state make money off that. And you know, to be honest with you, marijuana is is not as bad as people made it out, made it out to be. Uh, it was it was always always the demon drug in in the earlier part of the 20th century. They used Mary Jane. Marijuana, uh, and they 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 uh, equated that to ang- you know black men being monsters and that black men who smoke reefer turn into these monsters and rape and all of that stuff. And when you know we know that's not the truth, but that's the way it was promoted for for decades. And I think a lot of persons who still oppose it oppose it for that particular reason, you know. That idea of what 
what it was, you know, the effect it had, particularly on black men. But um, in in reality is that this would be beneficial in a, a lot of ways. Now, I might put some street pharmacists out of business. <laughs> it might put some of them out of business, but there, there, there are a lot already entrepreneurs, and I know of one in particular who already has the land, they already have the um, equipment, and they're ready. They, and I do mean they are ready to begin the business part of of this this new law to be able to provide this this new resource to people. And uh, cities are preparing to allow dispensaries in certain parts of the city. And, you know, you ain't going to see one in the hood. Uh, you, you won't see one. You won't see one where I live in Georgetown, in Jackson, Mississippi. Well, I'll take the back uh, because where we are is close to uh, the medical medical mall and the medical district. Yeah, we might see one close by. Uh, but if they do have several here, I, I'm, I'm just going to assume they're going to have maybe three or four max within the metro area. And I guarantee you, one of them going to be close by me. <laughs> As the advantage of living in the medical, uh, close to the medical uh, facilities here, you know, the hospitals and the research facilities. Yeah, health department. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But those are just some of the things that I, I thought were uh, really interesting that happened on last night and of course while we're all waiting the results the final results the final tally of the presidential election race these things and many other local elections are the ones that matter those are the ones that really affect you your local economy your local city ordinances you know and supreme court justices of your state your election uh, commissioners of your state or the, of your uh, county or your parish. So th- those are the things that really, those are the elections that really matter. And of course, while Congress, Senate, and House are very, very important, and it's those local mat, it's those local and state elections that that make the difference. So, yep. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back from the break, I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to talk about black men and the election results. How will this really impact? Uh, how will the election results, uh, especially of president, impact black men when uh, it seems like a lot of black men are leaving the plantation? So we're going to talk about that and more. Uh, come back right after this break. You may find it hard to believe, but at one point in your life, you're going to need access to reliable legal services. Legal issues can be confusing, complicated, and even a bit embarrassing. 
That's why I joined the family at Legal Shield. Legal Shield offers the most affordable, comprehensive legal coverage available. And for a small monthly fee, I have access to Legal Shield's personal plan that includes attorneys who will represent me and provide me advice, even draft and review documents on my behalf. Not only do they provide excellent legal service, but with their ID Shield, I'm also guaranteed protection from all fraud, including identity theft protection. Did I mention to you I have so many perks and benefits that come with being a member of Legal Shield? Yeah, they pretty much cover the plan by itself. For the last 45 years, Americans have trusted Legal Shield for all their legal needs, and I'm glad that I've joined them. So give them a call. Visit their website, www.legalshield.com. I'm telling you, you will be glad that you did. I'm Dr. Lorenzo Neal, and I like to speak with my fellow clergy about a way to enhance your life and ministry. Are you looking to better connect with yourself and those you minister to? When was the last time you explored your emotional intelligence and health? I want to offer you my service as a coach and counselor. I've developed a six-week coaching program with a specific focus on self-differentiation. My background in education, leadership, and community counseling psychology gives me a unique look to the connection between our emotional wellness and our ministry. Blending spiritual principles with a family system's approach to ministry, I will help you become a highly self-differentiated person with a ministry that is engaging, liberating, and transforming. Contact me at PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com to schedule your first session with me. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and working with you to serve this present age and to fulfill and engage all yourself to do your master's will. Blessings. glad that you started not robbery to join me on this illuminating journey. If you haven't done so, I want to invite you to visit our Facebook page, the Zero Network on Facebook. Go there and like that page and also follow us on Twitter at Zero Radio, Z-E-R-A Radio uh, on Twitter. And also, please be so kind, become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal. And for as little as a dollar a month, support the show. Support also, you know, I, I have a YouTube channel that I I, I do sometimes. Uh, the show goes up on there. I try, you know, I'm trying to get a little a little sophisticated with this thing. <laughs> it, it supports us, uh, and we're we're adding merch and all that stuff to it, so you can help us. Also, last also, check out my uh, new podcast. Be your differentiated self. On anchor.fm, go there, be your differentiated self, listen to those podcasts, completely different from what I do here. I really like that. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Um, Before the break, I I said I was going to talk about this election and how it's it's going to really impact black communities, and more specifically, uh, black men. I'm, I'm, let, let me put it this way. So we saw over the last several months a lot of prominent 
black men, mostly entertainers, rappers, Cube, Lil Wayne, Lil Pump. Why does it got to be Lil, Lil guys? <laughs> uh, but, uh, who else? A couple others. Um, well, 50 Cent, of course. 50 Cent come out in support of Donald Trump. And you know, those are the celebrities. But there are, there have been a number of black men who have been supporting Donald Trump uh, before the election and following the election. Of course, we know, <coughs> excuse me, we know about uh, the black pastors uh, that uh, during the election and following, immediately following the election, met with Donald Trump and, uh, you know, they didn't really get to talk, but they met. And there was controversy regarding that. But then we saw what Donald Trump was doing for blacks with uh, Opportunity Zones, and he's talked about that more as part of his platinum plan, but he developed that, funding the HBCUs, giving more funding than had been under previous administrations. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, as an alumnus of a black university, uh, HBCU. I'm I'm glad that he took that on literally within his first 100 days. He t- he took on that, and of course, black unemployment was at its lowest over the three years, uh, three and a half years that he has been president. Uh, there are a number of factors contributing to that, of course, and some would argue where that began under President Obama, and there may be some truth to it. It was it was very high when Obama was president. We were almost at 17 percent, as high as 17 percent at one point. And then we got, you know, it started decreasing uh, over the last. Mind you, he was in, a, in in office eight years. It, it took eight years from the get from that high level to, uh, you know, low double digit. And under under Trump's administration, it got under double digits. It got into the single digits for the very first time in decades. And a lot of black businesses, small black businesses were uh were 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 funded. You know, there there was some seemingly discrimination regarding funding prior to that. And then uh once this pandemic hit and PPPs were uh, distributed. There was some alleged discrimination, and and I won't say alleged. There was some discrimination <laughs> uh, regarding uh, some black businesses and funding. But a lot of black businesses did get funded, and they were able to contribute, continue in their work. Uh, so yeah, you gotta give Trump credit where where that is it is due. And a lot, I think, a lot of black men just started supporting Trump because they were being tired of told what to do, I think. The the fact that they were they're opening their eyes to see a reality of what some um, other party leadership was doing, both party leadership actually was doing. And they're like, well, I don't have to vote Democrat. I don't have to vote Republican. I can be independent. I don't owe anybody my vote. And the only thing I owe my vote is to me. And to look out for my best interest, which was 
50 Cent said, you know, if Biden is elected, he says it's going to be a 62% tax on me, and, and I want to keep my money. So I don't know how true that is. I, I, I've never looked at uh, Biden's tax plan, but I do know just just <laughs> just from overall experience that when it comes to Democrat Party, uh, yeah, taxes are always pretty high. You know, most people want low taxes, and that's what the other party, rep, you know, Republican Party, usually promises. I don't know; they always deliver it, but that's usually promise. You know, they try to be fiscally conservative. Uh, and I, I like a statement that I, I think Glenn, Ble- Glenn Beck made um, regarding black men, and I, I I'm. Trying to remember, I, I, I can't say it directly. So I, you know what? I, I won't even say it. But anyway, in the discussion of one of his shows, he he talked about the reality of black a black man feeling more important, empowered, not important, but feeling more empowered under President Trump for whatever reason that was. Um, and so there was, the, you know, not only was just a movement. Uh, of black men away from democratic strongholds, but there was also a movement from a whole lot of constructs that black men had been placed in, or were said to be placed in. And, and these there were these black men who were saying, "Look, I don't want to fit your construct." And this is across the spectrum spectrum of black black men, okay? you know, and uh, the educated, the not so educated. The wealthy and the not so wealthy, uh, all the the broad spectrum of black males are are seeing this this change, this shifting, as if you would say. And it, it is a shifting away from the Democratic Party, uh, and a shifting not so much to the Republican Party, but a shifting to a sense of independence. That they can they can act on their own behest. You may recall, not long ago, I did a show uh, about uh, how some some white people, with good intentions, try to help black people, and it, it's a matter about efficacy. They some of them believe that we just can't do it on our own. We can't help ourselves. We can't. Do this, and they have to help us because we can't. You know, we're we're babies. We're well. We can't access health care. We can't access uh, state IDs. We can't do any of this without their intervention. And and I, you know, I I was like, man, I think, and honestly, I was like, you know, I I've always been taught to think for myself. Thank you, Mr. Walter Rush, for writing that on the chalkboard. T-H-I-N-K, think. So I've been conditioned to think for myself. And there are a lot of black men who are starting to think for themselves. And it's rolling over into a whole lot of areas in their their lives also. And I, I think this is one of the things that swayed how... How um, the party, the Republican Party in particular, approached black men. They were, you know, there are a lot. If you go on YouTube, 
you will find a lot of outspoken black men for Donald Trump. I was just curious. I, I didn't really, really realize that there were a lot. You know, I've been a conservative. Uh, I've been part of conservative organizations, Republican Party, for since I was in college. And not that I've, you know, <laughs> an anomaly or anything, but really within the last four years, I've seen a whole lot of black men supporting Donald Trump that surprised me. And I, I think it, it's just interesting. Why, why is it interesting to me? It's interesting to me for a number of reasons. One, when we look at how black men over the last four decades, I'd say from 1980, I'll start there, from 1980 onward, were basically being relegated to a uh, back seat in, in life uh, as things were stacked against them policy-wise educationally wise things were literally stacked against them to inhibit inhibit their their growth stop their growth so that if you if you didn't have some exceptional skill or talent the likelihood of you really being able to make it was very low it was prior to prior to uh especially to 90 prior to 90 you know you could have a high school diploma, land a good job, and support your family. You know, you could work at a, a factory. You could work. Uh, I know back home we had a uh, car plant, GM car plant. And, man, if you got hired on there, you got to stay there for a while. You know, you got to stay there. Um, and you could retire and still live very comfortably on your retirement. And that's not the case now. Um, matter of factly, it, what grieves me the most is a lot of black men, when it comes to education, you know, they've been tainted early on. They get tainted early on in education. So if 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 they're not achieving, and by the first and second grade, if they're really not achieving, especially by the fourth grade, then they're almost lost. So yes, they may graduate high school. But they would do the bare minimum it takes to graduate high school, and I know because I, I spent uh, over a decade as a as a teacher, almost you know, uh, as a teacher, and I I saw it firsthand. I taught at the elementary school level, I taught at the high school level, I taught at the middle school level, and now I teach at the college level, and I saw it firsthand. Those students, if by the second, third, and fourth grade, if they were not motivated. If they were not given something to motivate black more, I'm talking about black boys, then the likelihood of them uh, continually successfully was minimalized, greatly minimalized. Didn't mean that they wouldn't do it uh, because I, I, I noticed an arc that song would not perform as well in elementary school, but get to middle school and get on a stride and keep going. And then there were those who wouldn't, you know, underperform intentionally in school. Especially in middle school level, they underperform. And by the time they got to their senior year in high school and realized what was really out there, they they tried to get on their grind, you know. And it some of them are successful, some of them weren't. It is what it is. But a lot of them 
are when they saw Donald Trump get elected, you know, in their mind they think, okay, this dude's a billionaire. So if I got a billionaire president, I gotta have a billionaire mindset myself. Some of them, not all. Their, their mind was like, he he making money, and I don't want him making money off me. I'm gonna make money off myself, and that's just the basis of it. Yeah. But a lot of them is really coming from the cognitive realization of what the society construct for them has been. And the society construct for most of them, including myself, I I throw myself in it. The society construct was, look, you're not going to make it. You can't play basketball. You can't play football. You don't have, you know, you're not in a major singing group, you know, you know, you and you're not you're not brave enough to hustle on the street, so you're not gonna make it, right? And they they basically concede to that, and they find some a woman mostly to mush off, and that's it. That's the basis of their life. I'm gonna do just enough I can to get by because nobody really cares for me, and it's sad. It's sad, but over the last four years, a lot of them have seemingly become more aware of themselves. They, they've gone on an appreciation for themselves and their ability to make a break in this world. And you have to commend them for that. And if Donald Trump was the inspiration for that, then you got to commend him. Not directly, though. <laughs> but the other, the other thing is, is by this greater uh, awareness that a lot of black men are getting, now they're they're really trying to engage their community. They're they're really becoming pro black in their community. Now I'm I'm pro black. I I try my best to support black businesses as much as I can. Um, you know I pastor in a in a predominantly black uh, denomination. I attended uh, a predominantly black H uh, an HBCU. As a matter of fact, I went to uh, for the most part of my life. I went to predominantly black schools. You know, you had a, you know, a white dot here and there. <laughs> and it wasn't until my first grad school, my first master's, that I, I felt out of place. I really did. Because I'm like, I'm the only black dude. I'm the only black man. I'm the only black person. And that was, that was, that was something. And to have uh, my professors kind of, Cling and say, oh, we're so proud that you're here. And, you know, I write a paper, I get an agent, like, oh, my God, you're just so amazing. I'm like, don't don't patronize me. You know, I'm, I'm doing what I do. Anyway, so they're waking up. They're trying to empower themselves so they can empower their community. Now, the reality is we still have a lot of brothers locked up. We still have a lot of brothers who are you know, true to the game, unfortunately. We still have a lot of brothers who got a lot of baby mamas who contribute to this dysfunctional system that we now see across the uh, the spectrum of humanity, black America. And, uh, and we still have a lot of brothers who are really struggling with finding themselves, trying to determine how they fit in in this intersectionality that's and uh, encroaching upon them, you know, they want to be masculine, but they can't be masculine because they're told if they're being being masculine, is harmful. 
is devastating. Uh, all of that. So you know, it, it, it's 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 a wonderful thing to see, and I, I'm hoping that it goes beyond just this election. Even if Biden wins, Biden and Kamala Harris win. Uh, one thing I can guarantee you is, you know, because the black vote is is driven by black women, with Kamala, they're going to have this sense of empowerment like never before. You're going to see black women feel so empowered, just like they did while Michelle Obama was in the office of First Lady. Here you have Kamala Harris in the office of Vice President. Technically, you know, I, I believe honestly she she would be acting president, uh, but black men will be pushed to the side. Yes, there'll be some who will be able to contribute, but those persons would probably already be established. But the average black man would be pushed to the side. You know, it'd be more focused on making sure the black women. And I'm not please be I'm not being misogynistic or anything like that. I'm just saying this is just my observation, my reflection. That, that you know, the sense of empowerment that would be given to a black woman would not be given to a black man. And that's that's dangerous because if if that is not given to black men, if there there's no hope. You know, a lot of black men had hope when President Obama was elected and they they saw that hope dissipate because really nothing was, you know, Afforded to them because of his election It really wasn't Afforded anything The only thing they had was the pride that he was Elected outside of that You know even though he had his brother's keepers Initiative and things like that It it really didn't trickle down It didn't go far enough And black men still felt Just as disenfranchised Under his administration As they did in previous administrations Under President Trump Some Feel a little bit more franchised. You know, I, I don't know to a degree, but you know, just again from my casual observance across the spectrum of YouTube, <laughs> isn't that wonderful? They there's this sense of engagement that they now have. That, um, for example, Biden has promised under his in, that in his first hundred days he would. Uh, Enact the, the uh, Equality Act, and if you don't know what the Equality Act is, they bring it up. The Equality Act was passed by the House of Representatives last year. House of Representatives, um, and it basically um, protects. It enshrines protections for the LGBT community, right? Though it was passed in the House, of course, you know, it didn't get passed in the Senate. But those protections, if if enacted, again, skews toward a very small community, a very small population of the country versus a large population of the country that is just as uh, in need of more protections. Now, you know, because, again, if, we're, if, if we were to be honest with ourselves about Black Lives Matter and, you know, all of this and all these black men, unarmed black men who've been killed at the hands of police officers, both black and white, uh, if we're going to talk about this disenfranchisement, 
disenfranchisement, this systemic uh, systemic racial injustice in the criminal justice system, then we should be looking at that and say, okay, how can we how can we really protect black men? If we're going to protect LGBTQ, how can we protect black men? What can we do? And I think that's what these black men who are who were you know voting for Trump and all of that. This is what they were really asking. What are you going to offer me? What what are you going to do for me? Because really, I'm not seeing any benefit. At least I had a sense of something with Trump. And if Biden comes, we we pretty much can guarantee that we'll go back to the status quo. Everybody be happy because Trump is gone. This is what is already really a, has already been about. You know, getting Trump out of the office. And I'm not trying to be a Trump apologist by any means, but that's just it's. The last four years have been about getting Trump out, and the numerous attempts have failed, and this one may win, may actually work, and they may get him out at the expense of getting someone, well, anyway, <laughs> it is what it is. But black men are waking up, and they're realizing their value. Not only are they realizing their value, but they're acting on their value. And there are some behavioral things, there are some interpersonal things that we need to strongly encourage for development in black men. We got to, especially with the young black men, we got to encourage uh, behaviors that uh, encourage conflict resolution. I'm tired of seeing in the news headlines black men leading in homicides, both as the victim and the perpetrator. I am tired of that. I'm tired. So much, it's so bad now. You know, we have these young black teenagers who are committing these crimes. And their lives are just beginning and it's already ending. So we have to do something to protect these black boys, these young black adults, and these young, uh, and these black. What, what does that look like? I don't know. I know what I'm doing, you know, regarding mentoring and providing services to help them be self-differentiated so that they can better understand their emotions, be less reactive, and be more engaging. That's what I'm doing. I, I you know, I, I promote that. I'm trying to get that out there. But at a national level, you know, we need, do we need policy to reflect that? This is just me. If we're going to do it for other communities, we might as well do it for ourselves. And we need black caucus, you know, at the and at the national level, at the state levels, those congressional black caucus members, those state black caucus members, to be really engaged and see this as a real problem, to tackle gun violence and the perpetrators of gun violence who are more likely uh, against ourselves, blacks. So that's just my post-election day reflections. Uh, you know, I didn't touch on a lot of stuff that I wanted to, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, you know. So if you get a chance, go to the Zero Network on Facebook, listen to the show, you know, and leave your comments there. Email me, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com with your comments if you'd like to share. Uh, make sure that you listen to this, this broadcast. It's available on all your podcast outlets on uh, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple iPod. Apple t- iTunes, all of that. Wherever you want to, you can listen. Well, I'm just glad that you're listening. And whatever you do, whatever you do, keep your head up. Keep
Keep your head to the sky. Be your differentiated self. Be bold. Live bold. Love bold. And no matter what the election outcome becomes, what we get, what we get, we be better than what we were. All right, this is Dr. Neal. I got to get out of here. You guys have a great day.